0: we
1: listening to CITR Radio. 102 Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard from Wakefield, England, brand new from the Cribs, I'm a Realist, recorded in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this past December. Today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada's The Nocturnals, who have a brand new CD out, Greatest Hits and More, also contains a DVD of rare performances from the 1960s R&B Vancouver legends, The Nocturnals, today on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. And to get you completely ready for The Nocturnals, here is Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's preceded by Tommy Chong. Well, Bobby Taylor and Vancouver's included Tommy Chong, and before Bobby Taylor and Vancouver's, Tommy Chong was happening in a band called Little Daddy in the Bachelors from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, who maybe even played some gigs with our good friends in The Nocturnals. So, here we go on CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. This is Little Daddy and The Bachelors, followed up by some Bobby Taylor in The Vancouver's, also featuring Tommy Chong, and in an interview coming up with The Nocturnals from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Tommy Chong, take it away! <laughs> Still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard the high fives from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with Fujikami the Warrior. And before that, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, featuring Bobby Taylor and Tommy Chong on guitar with Heard It Through the Grapevine. And before that, Little Daddy and the Bachelors from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, featuring Tommy Chong with... Junior's Jerk, coming up right now, the Nocturnals, who I will be speaking to very soon. They're going to be playing this weekend at the Red Robinson <laughs> Show Theatre. So here's a little taste of what you might experience from The Nocturnals. And then I'm going to follow it up with the track from Live from the Grooveyard, a pseudo-live album that The Nocturnals contributed to. It was also reissued by Neptune Records, which also put out this brand new Nocturnals reissue. The Nocturnals. And then coming up, an interview with The Nocturnals. With CITR FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Me, Nardwar, the human, survey.
2: Yeah
3: baby, now it's
2: later for you Yeah,
3: Poco Joe Let me tell you about Poco Joe Oh, oh, oh Yeah, Poco Joe
1: You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwaire to Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have on the line right now? Hello, are you there?
4: Yeah, we're yeah. here. We're
1: here, we're here. Now, who are you, first off? Who are you?
4: Well, my name is Chad Thorpe, and I'm the
1: keyboardist with the Nocturnals.
5: Yeah, and I'm Ron Hensel, and I play lead guitar with the Nocturnals.
1: Welcome to the Nardwaire to Human Serviette Radio Show.
4: Oh, it was great to be
1: on. Thank you. Good to talk with you
4: again. Thank
1: you. Now, what I'm playing right now are a whole bunch of songs. I've just played a whole bunch of songs that are kind of Northwest-themed. And I guess I was curious, Chad and Ron, if you have any memories about any of these songs that I've just played. But before even we get to that, maybe I should say right off the bat, who are the Nocturnals? Like, who are you? Please tell us a bit about the Nocturnals and about the gigs you got coming up.
5: <laughs> oh, okay, you're you're causing us to pull back into the memory bank here. Uh, the Nocturnals uh, were a band in the Vancouver area made up of six guys. We, uh, we became the Nocturnals in about 1960 and um, played through till uh, just about uh, halfway through 1968, uh, playing uh, largely in Vancouver, but all through BC and um, in, in Alberta Manitoba as far as uh, Ontario and uh, we played Expo 67 in Montreal and uh, uh, stayed in the Toronto area for about six months uh, and then returned to British Columbia after we thought, that we thought we'd thought uh, we had enough for a time.
1: And people can never get enough of the Nocturnals because you're back again tomorrow night. That's right. Right on playing at the Red Robinson Theater in Coquitlam with a whole bunch of other bands like The Night Train Review, Kentish Steel, Jason Hoover and the Epics, The Soul Unlimited, and what I've been doing in an Ardwater Human Soviet radio show is playing a few of those bands in different incarnations, etc., and other stuff that maybe you might know about. The first band that I played on an artboard human survey radio show way back which you didn't hear, and I was just curious, Chad and Ron of the Nocturnals playing tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Theater. If you could tell me a little bit about Little Daddy and the Bachelors. I began by playing Little Daddy and the Bachelors' Junior's Jerk, featuring Tommy Chong on guitar. Did you guys ever encounter Tommy Chong or Little Daddy and the Bachelors? Uh,
5: yes, we did, occasionally. Um I remember that uh I'm trying to remember what little daddy's name was. Um he actually lived about 3 doors down uh from some of the people who were very involved with our our group and our fan club and uh just a lot of the work that went on behind the scenes. And um Tommy Chong, yeah, he was a a blues guitarist. Um uh, other than playing with him once, I recall, uh, down in a nightclub in Vancouver. Tommy Chong was there. I really can't say that we knew them all that well, but they were well-known in the Vancouver area.
1: Because after Little Daddy and the Bachelors, I followed up with some Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's, which Tommy Chong also contributed to as well. Did you have any run-ins with Bobby Taylor at all, Nocturnals?
4: Uh, not that I can remember. Well, you Chad. No, I don't remember that at all. I don't think we actually uh, did any uh, any any shows with them at all.
1: And then I followed up with The High Fives with Fujikami the Warrior. What can you tell me about that song? Fujikami the Warrior by The High Fives? You got me. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah,
5: that's that's a good one. I don't know.
1: Well, you do share a record label with the High Fives indirectly because their song also was on the history of Vancouver Rock and Roll Volume 2 put out by Neptune Records, so I just thought I'd throw it in there. Your label mates, the High Fives with Fujikami, the warrior. I think Harry Walker actually was the singer of the High Fives. That could be. be. And Harry Walker I think contributes also to the Night Train Review, doesn't he? Well, I'm not certain
4: on that either. Yeah.
1: Yeah... Well, we have a lot to cover, so we'll move on to a band that you're familiar with, Nocturnals. The Nocturnals, we played You Lied by The Nocturnals. Yeah. Anything about that particular track, You Lied? Wow. (laughs) Anything about that particular track,
5: I'm trying to remember who, uh, which one of us wrote that.
4: Uh, do you remember Chad? I'm not sure, but it could have been either Roger or maybe Kathy or or, or Gene that wrote that particular song. But uh, that's one of the songs that we'll be playing, actually, tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Theatre. So uh, uh, we, we kind of like that song. It really moves, and uh, uh, we uh, we sort of, we like it. So that's why we're going to be doing it.
1: It must have sold a few copies, because I remember my next-door neighbor's older daughter gave it to me as a little present, and it was bunch of pencil writing on it as well. So it must have really got out there. You lied by the nocturnals
4: well it didn 't get a lot of play, but uh, it was actually on the flip side and uh, and so it didn't get a lot of play at the time but uh, um, yeah, we getting some comments people calling in about it uh, calling us about it and and I really like it on the new c d that we've got out
1: and then I followed it up with the stags doing out of our tree from the live from the Grooveyard record, which I described as a pseudo live album. Nocturnals Ron and Chad could you explain about that the live from the Grooveyard is a total rare collectible amazing Vancouver double album from the 1960s it has been reissued but it's not really live from the Grooveyard and i played the Stags doing Out of Our Tree which was a cover of The Wailers
4: well, you're, you're right. correct on that, right. uh, yeah. Nardware. It, it, it wasn't recorded live at the Grooveyard, Yard, although there was some uh, crowd noise that was uh, put into the record, but it was actually recorded in a recording studio in Vancouver at uh, Robin Spurgeon's studio. And so all the bands uh, would go in there and do their recording, and it was put on one album. So, uh, no, it wasn't live, but uh, it sort of gives that impression. It was actually prom- done as a promotion thing for the grooveyard. yard I wasn't really done to deceive anybody but it was to be used as promotion to uh, to sell a grooveyard yard uh, the scene there
1: the Grooveyard, the club that you guys owned, the Nocturnals owned a club, right? Well, we were part owners. <laughs> we didn't we didn't
4: own it uh, outright, but well, we were part owners of the Grooveyard, that's correct.
1: And how come that didn't get out there too much? There was some sort of reference to that in the liner notes that, like, you didn't want people to know that you owned a club. Why wouldn't you want people to know that you owned a club? Like, why wouldn't it be like the Nocturnals Grooveyard?
5: Well, we were really not in the club business, and uh, but we did have a, a close relationship with their uh, our agent and the promoter, uh, Les Volt, in, in Vancouver, and uh, we were probably um, we were probably the only group at that time that had g- given everything up and uh, put our our efforts full time into uh, trying to make a go of the music business. So uh, uh, we were, I guess, a fairly logical choice uh, to go in on this venture uh, for a teen uh, teen spot. And um uh, it it worked out uh, very well and we were uh, usually had so many opportunities to play in other parts of the province so we we didn't end up playing there ourselves all that much.
1: And like 40 years later you're still talking about the Grooveyard. The reunion tomorrow night. <laughs> That's right. But the Grooveyard is still there. Could you have the Grooveyard reunion at the Grooveyard? Where was the Grooveyard for people that didn't know?
5: It was in New Westminster. It was about uh, one block or two blocks up from the main street of Columbia Street in in New Westminster. I it might have been on a street called Carnarvon Street. Uh, yes, it
4: was, yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. It used to, actually the 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 building goes back, I think, into the 1940s. It Was a popular dance spot. It was called originally the Hollywood Bowl, and been sitting there kind of dormant. And um, again, our uh, last vote, our, our agent, uh, he um, came up with this idea to turn it into a teen spot, and it uh, changed the name from the Hollywood Bowl to
4: the to the grooveyard and uh, it turned out very well. No, right now, if I may interrupt, I think it's a church actually right now and it's being used for that.
1: Well, I think that sounds like a suitable place to have worshiping the Nocturnals at the yeah. Grooveyard Church. <laughs> I guess Red Robinson Theater will have to do tomorrow night. Again, it's the Night Train Review, Kentish Steel and the Chantels, the Nocturnals, Jason Hoover and Epics, and the Soul Unlimited for the Grooveyard reunion. That's at the Red Robinson Theater in Coquitlam. So I played the Stags doing Out of Our Tree, a cover of the Wailers. Did you guys ever see the Wailers play from Tacoma, Washington, up here in Canada? Or did you ever play with them anywhere else?
5: Uh, no, we never played with them. Um, I, I believe I saw them play once. They were actually just, uh, they were probably the the earliest of what sort of uh, brought on the West Coast sound. Uh, later groups from, from that area, the Sonics, uh, carried that on. Uh, but I recall seeing the Whalers at some place. I just, it was very dim in my memory. It's way back there.
1: Uh, Ron, how about the stags? What can you tell the people about the stags? I asked Chad a bit about the stags, but you couldn't remember a lot about the stags. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool that they were doing Out of Our Tree, a cool cover like that of the st- whalers. Well,
5: I, uh, what do I remember about the stags? Well, I remember a, a little bit of the, the guys in it, and uh, I believe they were on tour with us, um, on a music hop tour, Chad,
4: That's right? That's correct, yeah.
5: They were on a music hop tour with us, and we toured uh, most of the province, Vancouver Island. Uh, great bunch of guys. And uh, good musicians, and we just just remember. I remember good times. That's uh, about it.
1: So I followed the Stags up with Dawn and the Good Times from Seattle, Washington, doing a cover of the Sonics' "Witch." Did you ever encounter Don in the Good Times featuring Don Galushi, who was the original keyboard player on Louie Louie that the Kingsman did and who later went on to produce the Stooges Funhouse and whose like great-great cousin is Dan Galushi, who plays in the contemporary rock and roll band Modest Mouse. Actually, I don't think he's no longer in the Modest Mouse, but a long tradition of rock in the Galushi family in the Northwest. So did you guys ever encounter Don and the Good Times at all?
5: Not to my recollection. No, I don't believe so.
1: And they were covering The Witch. And then after that, I played The Artesians just before I started talking to you Ron and Chad from The Nocturnals playing tomorrow night in Vancouver British Columbia Canada at the Red Robinson Show Theater in Coquitlam. I played The Artesians from Seattle with Coco Joe and I played that particular track because it also was recorded like a lot of The Nocturnals tracks at Kearney Barton Audio in Seattle Washington mm-hmm. 90210.
5: Mhm. Yes, that's correct.
1: What do you remember, Chad and Ron, about recording at Kearney Barton Audio in Seattle? It's still there today. It is still there. Uh, I remember very long recording sessions. <laughs> Being from Vancouver, we would
5: go down there and try to do what we had to do in one day, so uh, we were often there for, what, 14, 16 hours in the studio and laying down just a, usually just a couple of tracks. Uh, so uh... remember working with carney he had
4: a unique sound out of his studio and uh... was was good to work with great guy to work with he was definitely a a very professional uh, recording artist like that uh, and uh... He did a great job. We were really pleased with the sound we got. And then one of the reasons, actually, why we went to Seattle to record was because at that particular time, in the mid-60s, there was only uh, two-track radio, uh, tape machines in Vancouver in the recording studio. So we used to travel all the way to Seattle to record using a three-track tape machine down there. So. That was the reason for it. That way, uh, now because those tracks were in three-track, we can actually, the, the new CD that we have out is actually partly in stereo. So it's, um, it was a big, uh, big thing for us to do that at that time.
1: It sounds amazing. All the stuff from Kearney Barton Audio. everything he did there, just sounds amazing. Maybe it had only been three tracks, but it really like stood the test of time. Like the quality is just amazing. And yes, the extra stereo sound really sounds great with the Nocturnals. We're speaking to the Nocturnals live on CITR FM one hundred two, cable one hundred two, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Now, Chad, you being the organ player and all, what type of organs did you have? Did you have a farfisa? I'm curious about your actual instrumentation. What did you play?
4: Well, I, I ended up using a, a Hammond organ uh, for the recording and most of the time with the nocturnals. I did have a Lowry organ at one time to start with, but then uh, changed over and we were actually one of the first, if not the first uh, group to have a portable Lowry organ that we actually um, had done ourselves. And uh, so that would make it easier to uh, travel and and move around with. So that's what I used was a Hammond Lowry.
1: And Ron, what did you play of the guitar variety? Uh, and do you I, have any of your guitars left? I certainly do. I
5: have, uh, I'm have. i a Gretsch man. I played Gretsch from the beginning of the, turn- uh, the nocturnals right through till we were done, and I still have uh, my two Gretsches, which I'll be using when uh, we play tomorrow night. Um, it's a sound that um, I really like. Uh, I played it through a Standell amp, and I had Standells all through that time, and uh, I like to think that it <clears throat> contributed to the kind of unique Sound that we we got as a group of six guys.
1: What year were the Gretches?
5: Um, my first one, the first one I got was in 1960, and the second one was a 1965, I believe.
1: And how much did they cost back then? And were they hard to get a hold of? <laughs>
5: yes, they were hard. They were hard to get a hold of. But we had uh, some people, uh, different music stores, working on our behalf and uh, helped us to get good deals. I guess you say. But they would be. My first guitar probably would have retailed at that time for around uh, 700 seven or $800. And the one I bought in '65 was probably retailing just uh, around
1: $1,000. Which was easily affordable on the wages you were making in the Nocturnals. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> the profits from the Grooveyard Club.
5: <laughs> oh, I see. Right on. Well, that certainly helped. <laughs>
1: Chad and Ron of the Nocturnals. Specifically, Chad, what's the deal with the chicken farm? How does it all go back to a chicken farm?
4: Why so I asked Chad. Yeah, I better ask <laughs> <laughs> Ron about that. He's, a, he's yeah. a chicken farmer. Yeah,
5: and they're always uh, trying to work this in somehow about the chicken farm. I was raised on a farm, and uh, my dad had uh, a poultry farm. We raised uh, uh, layer hens, and so I was involved with that, and, uh, and so... The, the guys often came out there and helped and did things. We, there's a lot of stories, and <laughs> so they try to poke fun of me as being the old chicken farmer.
1: And people would come and work on the farm, like oh, you employed. Oh, just
5: help at times with different things. Uh,
1: yeah, you employed fellow bandmates at the oh, chicken farm. No, no, farm. they weren't
5: employed. No, no, it
4: was oh, my. It was no. we, we. We wouldn't get paid for anything <laughs> like that. You're kidding? I wouldn't <laughs> pay these guys.
1: <laughs> he's too cheap <laughs> however the nocturnals were very organized weren't they and, well you still are today like you're playing tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Theatre in Coquitlam you seem to be very organized for instance like all the different promo pics that are contained on the DVD that comes with the CD absolutely amazing tons of promo pics you had home movies taken by fan club men- members there's a poster gallery you guys were totally organized who took all your promo pics? who thought about all that stuff?
5: I don't know who thought about it. I suppose we we were a uh, uh, very uh, I'm trying to think of the word. We worked very well together as a group of six guys. Somebody would come up with an idea and um, talk about it, and uh, we would just uh, go with it. Um, and we all kind of worked in the same direction. So uh, I would say that was really contributed to a lot of our success in that area.
1: Well, I love the way that your van was all painted up. Did many people pull you over at all? Because on the back, it had that little thing, those, I wonder who's inside that goes, Au, or what did it say on the back of the van? It had something really interesting on the very back of the van.
4: It, uh, know who you're following, and a bit of an owl there. And, uh, so we used the owl as a mascot for us, for the nocturnals
1: you'll know who you're following. Did anybody pull you over, like, with your band name written well, on the side of the van? And I'm surprised your Gretches didn't get stolen.
4: Well, we had two, <laughs> two vans, actually. We had two of them. One hauled the equipment and one was set up with bunks so that we could travel uh, for long distances, and like playing in Prince George and Prince Rupert, and then turn around and just drive home afterwards. We had, actually, yeah, the two identical
5: fans, vans, you couldn't tell them apart, and so there was sometimes a, a fun with that. Uh, one van pulled into a service station to fill up with gas, and. One would come in five minutes later, and they were bewildered at how we could use that much gas in in five minutes, you know.
1: <laughs> did anybody mistake you for anybody else, this being the era of the Beatles, etc.? Even though it said nocturnals on the side of the van, did you get pulled over by any fans?
4: I don't recall that ever happening, no. No, I don't think so. I would, some people would honk their horns as they would go by uh,
5: occasionally, but uh, no. I don't think that the... Uh, They
1: stopped us. Now, the Nocturnals fan club had like 5,000 members in it in the 1960s. That's incredible.
4: I don't know if there was that many, but uh, we had a very well-organized fan club, and uh, we would send newsletters out on a monthly basis, and uh, we had some great people that were running it for us, and uh, they did a lot of work and helped us a lot.
1: Why, what I find is interesting about the fan club, the Nocturnals fan club, is that the fan club did the fan club and the fan club wrote the songs for the band. That is amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, uh. Like, who was Kathy Dubin? Because she seems to have written quite a few songs, filmed quite a few gigs, and helped this DVD come out, CD. Yeah, well,
5: they were the people I had mentioned earlier when you asked the question about Little Daddy and the Bachelors, and I said Little Daddy lived several doors down from these folks. And so uh, Kathy and Lori, her husband, uh, they were really involved. They, uh, Lori uh, did a lot of work looking after our vans and, and customizing our equipment uh, and many other things. He, he came on several tours, drove, and, uh, and Kathy, she, she, with her sister Jean, uh, wrote some of the songs that we recorded. And uh, they came to many of our gigs and uh, took pictures and just kept uh, record of things. And uh, so they were just, just tremendous people and still are. We love them very much. Do you
1: know which song she wrote? Because it doesn't actually say on the DVD which songs she wrote.
4: Oh, we have a record of that somewhere, but I don't think we can just say right now uh, what it is that she wrote. But they they did write probably the majority of the songs that we recorded.
1: I think that's so cool. The fan club writing the songs for the band—that is so well, cool. They, they helped with the fan club. They
5: helped. They were you know they were actually over. They actually did oversee the fan club. They, you know. Uh, and because you're gone does come to mind. That was the first record he put out. That that was written by Kathy Dubin and Gene Finker's sister.
1: Ron and Chad from the Nocturnals playing tomorrow night in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Red Robinson Th- Show Theater in Coquitlam. On the DVD that has been released, again, from this amazing CD-DVD package, The Nocturnal's Greatest Hits and More, there's all this great, like, photos and stuff in there, audio commentary. You're talking about a gig at Cultus Lake. <laughs> all these interesting locations you played, was that partly due to the fact that rock and roll had been banned in Vancouver and bands had to go elsewhere to play? What about the banning of rock and roll in Vancouver in the early days?
4: Oh, I, I, actually, I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe Chad does No, I don't. That was maybe before our time. I don't know. But uh, uh. the reason we went to play out in Caldus Lake is because that's where we got a job to play. And uh, we actually played at Caldus Lake Pavilion for three years in a row. And uh, the last year, I think, we were there was, was the year that our first record came out called Because You're Gone. And it was uh, number one on the Chilliwack radio station for about three months that year. So it did quite well.
5: Coltis Lake was a a tremendous summer vacation spot. And um, they had a small pavilion where we played in, and it used to be just overcrowded. It was a wonderful experience for three years playing there.
1: In those particular video clips that are on the DVD, it shows CITR DJ. Yes, he's on CITR radio now, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. Long John Tanner dancing on the stage here. He does a show, <laughs> Son of Night Dreams. What was Long John Tanner's role there with the Nocturnals?
5: Well, uh, he was Long John because he was about six foot seven. He was a big, big fella, but it, actually he called himself on the radio. He was with uh, Fun Radio at the time, and he called himself Jolly John. Tanner. And uh, we were associated with Sifon Radio for, for several years, doing uh, promotional things and that, and we got to know all the DJs and worked with them, and uh, jo- uh, Jolly John would come out and uh, sing a few novelty songs with us, and uh, it was just a lot of fun.
1: Looking at those clips of you guys performing such a Cultus Lake, etc., the stage banter that comes out with you guys watching yourself on stage, i.e. the DVD banter, there's one DVD quote that Rob at Neptune Records loves that says, hey, look at that guy. He's steaming! That an audience member said. You guys really got wet there playing, didn't you? Like, just in those tight suits? How wet did you get playing with the Nocturnals?
4: (laughs) Go ahead, (laughs) Chad. Well, uh, the guys up front usually got just soaked uh, from perspiration. And, uh, and, of course, I was standing behind the organ. I couldn't move as much as the guys up front and Bill on the drums.
1: Hey, could so. you describe, what did they look like up on stage there playing Chad? Because it wasn't just, a, you know, a band just standing there, was it?
4: No, that's right. And the reason why they were perspiring so much is because they did a lot of uh, uh, on stage steps and uh, choreography. choreography on stage. So it sort of made us stand out a little bit differently than some of the other local bands. And uh, for that reason, you know, they, they really worked hard, these guys up front. And yeah, they sure did. <laughs> Ron's confirming that. So <laughs> that's why they were perspiring so much.
1: What other interesting things did you do on stage? You guys traded instruments. How did that work?
4: Uh, it worked quite well, actually, and we still do that. We'll be doing that tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Theater. And We each uh, uh, played different instruments on stage, and we would trade uh, around for different songs. And uh, uh, like Carl and played saxophone, he plays bass, and Wayne would double on guitar sometimes, and I'd play saxophone and uh, organ. And so we, we just sh- uh, shifted around and uh, just made it more fun.
1: And sometimes, did you have like three saxophones going at once? That's correct, yes. What was the setup of the Nocturnals exactly? I don't think I asked you that. What was the stage setup of the Nocturnals? Well,
4: yeah, go
5: ahead, Ron. No, i just say, uh, just what, what exactly you mean, hardware. Uh,
1: Who exactly was playing in the Nocturnals? The rest of the Nocturnals, oh, hey, I guess. Oh, great, yeah. Uh,
5: okay, um, well, Chad, of course, was on keyboard. I'm just kind of looking at the stage in my imagination and going around it. And then at the back, on, usually on a podium, was our drummer, uh, Bill McDeath. Uh, he was also our lead singer. Uh, then coming back uh, to the front uh, is myself, usually next to Chad, playing guitar. And then the two uh, two saxophones in the middle, and on the far uh, that would be Roger Skinner and Carl Erickson on the saxes, and on the far side was Wayne Evans on bass, and that was that was the general setup. But then when we changed instruments, there
4: that would change a bit.
1: And Chad, you also worked the lights. What was the light element of the Nocturnals?
4: Well, that's one of the fir- one of the uh, the uh, things that we did too. That was sort of uh, instrumental to our group. Uh, first, one of the first groups to have a portable lighting system and I would run that from the top of the organ with a switch panel a switchboard there and uh, flicking lights back and forth and we'd have strobe lights and and color lights and uh, black lights and, and the lights would be on the drums and, and flashing back and forth. You know, I'm trying to do that at the same time as playing, so that was a lot of fun.
1: It was neat having a drummer sing, wasn't it?
4: Yes it was, it was quite uh, different, uh, so he, he wasn't out front uh, like a lot of groups have singers uh, front men, but uh, Bill is such a fantastic singer and a drummer, and uh, he did a, a great job, and he still, and actually, I think he sings better now than he did then, and uh, uh, and so we had him up on a podium. We'd even carry a, a riser of, to put on stage for his drums, so he would stand up, and he would be noticeable, and we had spotlights on him and stuff like that.
1: Did he stand up playing drums ever then?
4: I don't think he st- stood up playing the drums, but... Uh, uh, every once in a while, he would come out front and do a, a song or two. and maybe Roger would go back and play the drums at
1: that time. You guys also played with Paul Revere and the Raiders at the Kitsilano Showboat. Uh, we did play Kits Showboat, but I don't think I don't
5: recall with Paul Revere and the Raiders were they there, Chad?
4: I don't recall that. No.
5: Oh, uh, there were obviously were other groups, but I, I do remember the time we played there it was uh, summer and a huge crowd and. As soon as we played, we had to leave to go down to a club in White Rock and, and play there. So uh, I can't remember who might have been on the bill anymore.
1: Who was booking you with all this stuff? You were pretty active.
4: Uh, it would be less vote. Of, it was Jaguar Enterprises at that time. So what was? Well, what was, what was sorry, Nardwire but some of this was also done as promotional stuff for C-Fund Radio because we were associated with them. And when we did some of these promotional things like... Uh, 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 sock hops at noon and stuff like that. When the DJs came out with us, that was we would get paid credits with the radio station, and uh, we get free advertising from them for that.
1: Did it help? Oh,
4: yeah. That's why we were part owners of the Grooveyard because all, all the advertising for the grooveyard was paid for by the Nocturnals and their credits.
1: Genius! Yeah. How, how about for all the bookings, though? What's the craziest sort of trip that you had to take? Like, you mentioned playing Prince Rupert and stuff. Was it Prince Rupert one night and Vancouver the next?
5: Yeah, the tours would get pretty hectic, because, uh, you know, we'd play Prince Rupert, and usually it was Prince Rupert, Prince George, but even that's a 500-mile, 500, 500 I'm talking miles now, Uh, you know, a journey, and the roads uh, back in those days weren't all the best. So uh, there were some long stretches, and sometimes we had to uh, play the next night, so it would be a long,
1: long drive. Was there any particular drive that you really remember really being a really hard one?
4: Yeah, for sure. One time going up to Prince George, uh, (laughs) we had a... We uh, we were sort of we had a a Volkswagen van at that time, and the van left early to go up to Prince George with a gear in it, and the and the rest of us sort of followed in a in a in a a Chevy Nova car, and it was a couple hours later that we left. But the car broke down on the way uh, in going through the the Fraser Canyon near Spencer's Bridge, and then we had to find a way to get up to Prince George, and that was quite a hair raising experience. We actually just showed up ten minutes before the dance was supposed to start and uh and the guys had the gear all set up and they were wondering where we were, but uh, that's a quite a memorable, a very memorable time trip that was.
1: And we're speaking here with Ron and Chad from The Nocturnals from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, who are playing tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Show Theatre in Coquitlam as part of the Grooveyard Reunion. I would like to ask you about Power View Narrators. Did you ever see them? They had a lot of steps, a lot of moves, etc. Mm-hmm. and that actually was what I was going to ask you about. Is like, I'm speaking here live to The Nocturnals, like who are The Nocturnals, how would people regard you? Like, what would you say, Vancouver's premier show band from the 1960s? How would you describe yourselves? And also, what about Paul Revere Raiders? and what did other bands think of you with doing your show moves up there, up on stage?
5: Well, we did see Paul Revere and the Raiders. They played, uh, I believe, if it's still there at the P&E grounds, the exhibition gardens. We saw them there. Uh, and they, they did have some influence uh, on us as far as our, our choreography and uh, the things we did on stage, because they were uh, from across the line, and so we thought, well, um, that's a lot of fun. So we incorporated, and it really, uh, really caught on here. Um,
1: what else? How did other people view you, the other bands in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? Were you a bit older than the other bands in Vancouver? What did they think of the way you set up, the way you played, the way you performed? How would you describe yourself?
5: No, I think as far as age, we were pretty well uh, all the same age class, basically, we Chad.
4: I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
5: how they viewed us, I don't know. Uh, we just uh, were so intent on, on doing what we were doing and, and enjoying it.
4: Uh, so
5: I'm not we, sure how they viewed us.
4: <laughs> we did our own thing, actually. A lot of the groups in Vancouver were were primarily R&B groups. And uh, our, our particular sound was more of the Pacific Northwest sound, and so we tried to uh, to do that rather than trying to be an actual R&B group, although we did have some R&B influence in some of the songs that we recorded.
5: I think some of the, the R&B sound comes through because we did have uh, we did have two saxes as opposed to a lot of groups, five-, six-piece groups that maybe had one saxophone, but we had uh, the two saxophones, and, and so the R&B sound influenced that Pacific Northwest sound that we were developing.
1: Chad and Ron from the Nocturnals. What labels were you guys on? I know one of the labels was Regency. Well, I know another label was Trans World. Well, I know another label was Embassy. Who ran the Regency record label, and how did you get on there? You had that number one hit there in Chilliwack. Must have done something.
5: <laughs> Chad's pointing at me. I'm supposed to answer, but I, I don't know if I can remember all that. You know, um, Embassy was the first was the first label we were released on,
1: and. How did you think, ho- how did you hook up no, with
4: it
5: was them? Regency, I think, was the first one. Regency, sorry, Regency was the first one, and I think that we got to that through, Again, our booking agent, Les vote. I think somehow he got us in touch with some people. It's a long time ago, you know. <laughs> and then uh, you were also on Trans World Records. Trans World was a hookup. Uh, we got tied in with Embassy Records in the United States, which was owned by uh, well-known performer Milton Berle. And uh, we got uh, tied in with that, so our last...
1: Um How did you get tied in with that? Did you get a chance to meet Milton Berle?
5: No, we didn't. We, we had, had dealt with his, his man who was running, uh, running the company at that time. And they then arranged for the Trans World release in Canada. So it was Embassy in the States and Trans World in Canada for those last releases.
1: What was the deal with Embassy? Were there plans for an LP? How did they hi- find out about you guys? Did they come and check you out?
4: Boy... Uh, no, I think it was us to somehow get contacting them to see if there would be some interest there. And I, and, and I don't know how that came about, but uh, it didn't work out the way we had hoped to because we, want we wanted one of our records, like Love and Blues, to be released prior to us arriving at, in Montreal for Expo 67, but it didn't get out at that time, and so it didn't get released until later. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, would, uh, we probably would have... Uh, enjoyed more success if, if some of our records have been promoted better.
1: The Love and Blues was a hit, though, in the eastern states. Did you play any gigs in the eastern states? Did you ever play in the United States of America? No,
4: we never played in the U.S. Uh, no, it, uh, we didn't play there.
1: And was it a hit there in the eastern states? Love and
4: Blues was, uh, what I understand, was quite popular in, in Pittsburgh uh, in the discos there. And matter of fact, I got a call about 10 years after the band broke up, and a fellow from Pittsburgh was trying to get a hold of... Uh, uh, a copy of Love and Blues, and uh, that's, so that's how I found that out.
1: What sort of feedback did you get from the other singles? How did they chart? Were you one of the few Vancouver bands that was charting around North America in the sixties?
5: Uh, well, not about North, not uh, not North America. Uh, it was uh, we were, I guess, sort of pioneers with the Canadian groups. It was kind of difficult to to get it um, get an in with uh, a lot of the uh, radio stations that had to get Canadian content played back then. But, we, you know, we're very thankful for the stations here, c Radio in particular, but also CKLG. And then we had a number of stations in, in B.C. because of our touring that were playing our songs, and they were getting on the charts. Um, and it also happened in, uh, in the Ontario uh, region. I know our song got on the charts several times there up into the, I don't know, top 15 or so. so uh, but it was, it was a struggle. So we were kind of a pioneers at that time.
1: How come you recorded no L.P.? Were there ever plans to record an LP?
5: Well, I suppose uh, you, uh, you notice our, our CD has uh, was it thirteen or fourteen songs on it, and uh, there were a, there were probably another half a dozen songs that uh, were left on master tape when we broke up that never were released. So there was probably enough um, material to put out an, an LP if you're talking about the old vinyl LPs, but it never happened because we uh, we broke up at that time.
1: I think it's really exciting, Chad and Ron, that if I'm correct, you guys actually played with the Sonics from Tacoma, Washington at Club Tango in Victoria and Departure Bay Hall in Nanaimo. Did you play with the Sonics? Was there a Sonics Nocturnals bill?
5: Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. Uh, Again, it's... uh, all I can remember is that uh, we played with the group, and uh, really, is
4: not much time to get to know anybody. You arrive at the job, and everybody sets up and plays. Um, but we also played with uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, and uh, we did shows at the P and at the uh, Queen Elizabeth in Vancouver with uh, Lou Christie and the Lou Christie and the Knickerbockers, and uh, we also backed uh, Glen Campbell at the P and E, and also a group called the Coasters. So uh, we had some. Uh, some interesting experiences with some of these other guys.
1: Too. Now, what was the reaction to the Coasters? Because they were one of the first acts that really got out there and toured that had gay members, which is pretty cool. What was the reaction <laughs> to the Coasters?
4: Well, you know, they were, they were great uh, great vocalists. I mean, they sang very well and they had a good show and, uh, and we, we got along fine with them and there was no problem at all. And uh, What about and the there audience? Shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any problem, but, I mean, they were good, good
1: uh, musicians. How did the audience take to them?
4: Oh, very well, I'm sure. Well, their
5: music, their music was, you know, really popular. They had songs like Big Boy Pete, and they were, they were novelty songs that, uh, that they did so well, and uh, uh, they were just, uh, people enjoyed uh, seeing the group that had made the records.
1: Back to the gig with the Sonics, those gigs have gone down in history as being totally legendary. Like, apparently there was a riot outside of one of their gigs in Victoria, craziness happening Did anything like that pop into your mind when you thought about that Sonics gig that you played in Victoria or Nanaimo? Was it this straightforward? I know you said you didn't really get to meet them at all, but do you have any recollections of any riots happening? No, No, not at all.
5: No, not really. Things were pretty well organized. I I don't remember that kind of thing.
1: And then you headed to Expo 67. You were there for like six months?
5: Well, we just played the one week at, at Expo 67 in Montreal. And then we made a decision to stay in the uh, Toronto area. We actually lived in Kitchener, but we did uh, did a lot of jobs uh, all through that area, and we stayed there for six
4: months. Now,
1: how did that go over?
4: Actually, very well, I think, Chad, Yeah, oh, Yeah, we we enjoyed it when we were there and uh, had some good experience. So one of the reasons why we, we played in Kitchener, lived in Kitchener, was because uh, at that time we were uh, members of the Vancouver Musicians' Union, and... Uh, and it was kind of a strange situation, but if we had gone and lived in Toronto, we would have had to join the Toronto Musicians' Union and only play in Toronto for, I don't know, I forget, six months or something. But, uh, so by living in Kitchener, Ontario, then we were able to remain in the Vancouver Musicians' Union, and we could play anywhere in Ontario. So uh, that's what we did, and that's why we moved to Kitchener.
1: When you played at Expo 67, did you meet any other musicians at all? Did you bump into any dignitaries? I, I don't recall
4: that, no. We just basically would uh, would show up and do our own show and then uh, pack up and
1: leave. How about in Toronto, playing the cock door? Did you play there, or any of those Ronnie Hawkins type places?
5: I'm just trying to remember uh, I Remember being at the hawk's nest. Uh, I can't remember if we played there, but I know we were there. What was the reaction
1: to the nocturnals there in Toronto?
5: Well, all the places we played at, we had very good reaction, and another reason for staying in that area was because of population. In, in the Vancouver area, at that time, of course, in the 60s, um, you had Vancouver and you had, you know, U.S. Minster, you had a few bigger towns, uh, Kamloops, Kelowna, and Penticton, and things like that, but if you were limited. Where in, in Ontario, you know, every 20 or 30 miles, you've got a, a, a good sized town, so there's a lot of work available.
1: Chad and Ron from The Nocturnals playing tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Show Theater in Coquitlam, British Columbia, Canada. Glenn Campbell, you mentioned just a second ago, you also recorded with Glenn Campbell?
4: Well, we didn't actually pre- perform a, uh, a recording for release. Uh, we did actually record a song with him, though, that uh, we have on tape. And it was a song that uh, we played, and he liked the arrangement that we had. And so we recorded it with him for him to take with him.
1: And you still have a copy of that for some subsequent release, possibly?
4: I believe we do actually have a copy. Well, no, I
1: do have a...
5: I found
4: in in my collection
5: just a few weeks ago uh, a tape that we had made, and and Glenn had suggested a song that he liked that he thought that we should record, and it was called Little Lonely. So I have a very unique uh, recording of Glenn playing his guitar in our basement and uh, singing the
1: song for us. And you got to know him by being the backup band, right? Right, that's correct, yeah. How many people did you back up in that way?
4: Oh, gosh, I don't quite know. Quite a few. There's quite a few, yeah. People are coming to town. Quite a few there. Um, well, we
1: mentioned the Coasters, Glenn Campbell, uh, uh, Lou Christie. Um, um, now, Sam Shaman of Pharaohs, did he have his own act with him? Yes.
5: Yeah, they had their own band.
1: That would have been a good show. Mm-hmm. That was a QE, Queen Elizabeth. Your influences, though, continued on quite a bit right up to the 21st century. A band from Tacoma, Washington called Girl Trouble has actually covered before Because You're Gone. I don't have a version of it, but I will play your version in a moment here. And we're yeah. speaking here to the Nocturnals from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. But have you had much feedback from your songs over the years? If have other bands covering them or anything like that?
4: Well, uh, I understand that there's somebody that was interested in recording Love and Blues again, and, uh, but this is the first I've heard about the group in Seattle, so uh, that's
1: interesting. Yeah, from Tacoma, Washington, they're called Girl Trouble, and they do a version of Because You're Gone.
5: Well, that is interesting.
1: And they love you guys. Well... appreciate that and winding up here with the Nocturnals from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada playing tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Show Theatre Vancouver, Red Robinson has said speaking of Red Robinson Show Theatre was a warm up for Vegas like a lot of artists passed through of the more showbiz sort of feel Mm -hmm. did you play any of those clubs that a lot of those artists played? like what sort of clubs did you play in Vancouver and what can you tell listeners about clubs like the Marco Polo or Izzy's or the Cave?
5: No, they were. Uh, that was a different audience from what we were playing uh, at that time. You didn't. Uh, you didn't have bands like the Sonics or of that sound uh, p- appearing in places like uh, Izzy's or the nightclub or or the cave or any of those things like that. Uh, so and so we
4: didn't uh, really play any of those places as well. The only places like we played in Vancouver at. Uh... At Oil Can Harry's and things mm-hmm. like that, which were you know local bands and uh, people like that. But Oil Can Harry's was quite a popular spot at that time.
1: I mentioned Tommy Chong. How about Jimi Hendrix? Did you ever bump into him at all? Have you heard no, uh, the, Have I, you heard the legends of him playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? Not
5: much, because Jimi Hendrix really was coming on the scene as we were fading out, you know, in the late '60s. So. um, What I know about Jimi Hendrix is basically what I would hear him do on radio or things like that. I never met him or experienced any closest to him.
1: Because he was hanging out in Vancouver for a little while there, apparently, and jamming with Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's and stuff like
4: that. I understand his mother actually lived in North Vancouver or something like that.
1: In Strathcona. I think his grandmother lived in Strathcona. Maybe Maybe his mother lived in North Vancouver as well. I'm not sure. And his house I think is still there in Strathcona, British Columbia, Canada. Just like the Nocturnals are still here and still there and still rocking tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Show Theater. The Nocturnals is part of the Grooveyard reunion with some other bands. What can you say about the other bands that you're gonna be playing with tomorrow night?
4: All these bands are just excellent. And it's so good to be out playing with these guys again, you know, and uh, they're 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 Musicians from back when too, and, and uh, some great uh, great musicians, great songs that are being s- performed and uh, we, we're just enjoying it so much and it's uh, just a, a great experience for us.
1: Yeah, it's like deja vu And one of them is Kentish Steel and the Chantelles. Now Kentish Steel one time featured Paul Dean of Loverboy, didn't it?
5: Right, that's correct. that's right.
1: And there's a Loverboy connection to the nocturnals, isn't there? Didn't your drummer go on to play in bands with Paul Dean of Loverboy?
4: Yes, he did. You know, that was a band called Scrubble O'Kane.
1: Had to, yeah. had to get the Loverboy mention, and, you know, you can't do a radio show about the Nocturnals without mentioning Loverboy. Yeah, right on. Were you guys big Loverboy fans? Well, it was after us as well, you know, so. And we also have Jason Hoover and the Epics playing and the Soul Unlimited. Right, yep. And and Night Train Review as well with The Nocturnals. That's tomorrow night at the Red Robinson Show Theatre in Coquitlam. Well, thanks for calling into the to Human Survey at Radio Show, Ron and Chad of The Nocturnals. Really appreciate your time. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all?
4: If you wouldn't mind, I, I would like to just put a little promotion in here for anybody who's interested in getting a hold of our, of our newly released CD and DVD to uh, contact uh, Neptune Records. For that, and uh, actually, it can be ordered online as well for anybody who can't get down to their uh, their store on Main Street. But it can be ordered at uh, www.neptune.com.
1: And it's not just the CD, it's got the DVD on there with all that great footage of you at Cultus Lake and other places too. You and Glenn Campbell together it's on right
4: And the coasters are on there too, as a matter of fact.
1: And the gallery also with all the cool gig posters oh, that are out there.
4: Yeah, <laughs> right on. <laughs> Give the guys at Neptune Records a the call. They're just fantastic guys. and we, yeah. They've yeah. done such a great job of putting this together, so I'm sure they'll be glad to see you or hear from anybody.
1: And we're going to end right now with the song Because You're Gone. So anything you'd like to say about Because You're Gone?
4: Oh, it was our first release, and it's yeah. uh, still one of the songs that uh, gets played the most, I think, locally. So uh, it's doing pretty well still.
1: And then we're and we're going to follow it up with Love and Blues as well, and a whole bunch of other tracks like Detroit. I don't love her no more. There's a couple different takes of I don't love her no more. Any reason for that?
5: Uh, well, we had actually the, uh, if I'm remembering right, the last take of of that song on the CD uh, might have been the. Was that the first one we did, and we did. We didn't thought it was uh, commercial enough, and so we did the other. And as it turns out, neither one got released, so we'll never know which was. <laughs> but we we will be playing uh, we will be playing one version of that. Yeah, which ver-
1: Yeah, which version will you be playing? The alternate version or no, the fri-
5: the, f- the first version, not the alternate.
1: Well, thanks so much, Chad and Ron from the Nocturnals. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do.
4: <laughs> One thing, could you do me a favor, Nardware? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. If you're going to be playing some nocturnal songs, uh, would you play a song off that CD called uh, Look Around You? Will do. And because the reason why I'm asking is because of that song, even it was recorded in the mid-1960s, it was written by Carl Erickson, our sax player, and um, he did a good job, and that particular song even applies to the situation in the world today. So I think maybe that might be a nice song for everybody. And it's, an, it's one of the songs that was never released before, but it's now on our new CD.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll play Because You're Gone, and we'll follow up with Look Around You. Sounds so good. thanks so much, Nocturnals, good. and do, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> okay. Uh, almost. do 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 Doot doot. Yeah! All right. <laughs> right
4: on. <laughs> Great chatting with you, Nardware. Thanks, Nardware. bye. Bye-bye. I see
0: you walking by with some other guy. Some other guy And I can only sit and cry Because you're gone Oh Because you're gone Yeah Baby I I get you. Oh, yes, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I will I hear you walking by With some other guy Different, for when they grow, the children are laughing And each day they grow, the world's not so pretty as one ought to know. How can some feel? Fear. How they love?
3: Different. the four winds they blow,
0: the children are laughing, and each day they grow. The world's mm-hmm. not so free as one hour too long. Up in some fields of mm-hmm. things they blow. The world keeps on turning as stars shine at night, when people are fighting, they